completely against fees. Mm-hmm. What I'm against is the lack of transparency and the kind of illusion that you are paying for something when you're really not getting a lot in return. So, so true. if I'm going to be paying for fees, I want an advisor calling me and creating a new strategy anytime my life changes, a new life event happens, my income changes. In six years that I had invested, I had not a single person call me. So I don't understand what I was paying for. So, so a lot of things just led me to a lot of more confusion and I started exploring other options. everybody and thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of highly invested where we invest in ourselves talk about personal finance investing and business while asking entrepreneurs about the investments in money time and energy that have gotten them to where they are today i'm really excited to have a fellow personal finance mentor on the show today joining us we have liz enriquez from hamilton ontario she has racked up a six-figure net worth by the age of 26 and now she shows people how to grow wealth and manage their money Super excited to have you on the show, Liz. How are you doing today? I am well. I am excited to talk more about money. You know, I love this topic, even though a lot of people find it intimidating. So let's dive in. Good. Yeah, you just got to find the right people to talk about it with. That that really helps. Yeah. I want to ask about No Spend November. So Liz and I uh, and a few other people on Instagram are doing this thing where we're just trying to not spend as much money as possible in November. Now, Liz, do you find this is something difficult for you or is it kind of like any ordinary month? I am really good at challenging myself, and I like to challenge myself and discipline myself. Um, I moved away from kind of frugal living consciously about a year, maybe two years ago, because I kind of started focusing more on ways to grow my money instead of ways to save my money. So it was easy for me to fall back into kind of frugal living after... so many years of doing it, not by choice, kind of because I had to. And then I reached a point where I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. I can go out every day and spend as much as I want. So I'm just kind of finding that balance. So going back to No Spend November kind of brings me back to my roots of how I started saving money so aggressively. So, so far, so good. It's just making me more conscious about, you know, eating out and cooking at home. And I think it's a good challenge for a month, but I'm ready to go back to my, my old <laughs> lifestyle. Only 11 days in, but yeah, it, it's yeah, certainly a good break. Even just to be conscious of doing it even a couple times a year or before a holiday or before a, a vacation, something like that. It's definitely a great idea. So uh, thanks for the encouragement. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's all it's all for fun. It's just no one is going to get you in trouble if you spend, if you buy anything here and there. It's really about <laughs> your own personal growth. Mm -hmm. and just disciplining yourself definitely you know a lot of people i don't think are that comfortable with practicing self-control as much as you uh or i or anyone that tries to get a better grip of their money so all the power Mm -hmm. to us right yeah do you have a goal with the money that you're well you'll be the first to hear it because i haven't made it public yet (laughs) but i just bought my second property Hey, so yeah, so I really needed all the extra money I could get. I'm looking into getting tenants in soon, have to do a few upgrades on the house. And so that's what I will be using my money for. Fantastic. I think that's a pretty solid reason to have a no spend month. Yeah, because now it's like no money, no spend anyways. So (laughs) yeah, definitely. Well, you know how people say like, oh, I deserve that piece of cake. You know, I worked hard today. You deserve that uh, second rental property. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. 
You're very welcome. Yeah, that's great. So you are someone that has a lot more experience in, in some different realms of investing, like like real estate. So would you mind sharing a little bit about how you bought your first property, how scary that was, and, and now really how happy you are that you did that in the first place? Yeah, I bought my first place in 2016, just two years after graduating university. And it was scary because it wasn't planned. I didn't go out to be a real estate investor or buy property. I had just got out of like a really kind of messy breakup and I was living Mm -hmm. with my boyfriend at the time and I had to find a place to live. And so I was weighing the pros and cons about renting versus buying. Mm -hmm. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I had enough of a down payment and I thought that at the time, the way that the Hamilton market was going, it was getting harder and harder to get into the market because it was so competitive and so expensive. I thought, okay, I better just get in now and I was starting from scratch, so my boyfriend actually had everything um, and kept everything. So I really didn't have any furniture. All I had was kind of the clothes that I that I owned, and right. I was starting from scratch. So I thought, I don't really want to furnish a whole new place and then maybe in a few years have to furnish it like or have to move out. Like I just didn't see renting as a permanent solution for me. Mm-hmm. And I just thought you know what, let me just go ahead and buy a house and I think this will be a good distraction from the breakup because I'm really into just kind of dedicating myself to one thing Mm -hmm. and just going full force on that. So that's what I did and it was super scary because I had no knowledge of how to even buy a house. I was so young, I was so confused and so intimidated and that's actually when I started blogging and talking about finances because I realized like, how come I don't know anything? And as I was asking other people around me, nobody had a clue as to what to do with our money. Right. I'm like, how do we not know these basic information? Like, how do we not know how to buy a house or how to save or how to invest? So yeah, so it was true. kind of a huge catalyst for me. Good. Well, it's tough when you realize that it seems like everybody's left in the dark. And, you know, you're probably maybe one of the first out of you know, people you knew or something to take to have to take that risk. But then if, you know, looking back, you're probably someone that everyone's turning to advice now to make those same decisions. So yeah, it was definitely I was the first amongst my friends, the first amongst kind of my my brothers were all in the same age, we're all a year, year and a half apart. So yeah, I'm now kind of giving them guidance and suggesting things, giving tips and networking with people at a higher level than me so that I can pass down the information. Because um, ultimately, it's all about yeah. information sharing, and we're all on different phases of the journey. Yeah, that's super true. Very, very valuable. To be able to get that good stuff from people that have done it before, I notice when I'm, I'm talking to someone that, that has the experience, it's like a 10-minute conversation can feel like I've just read a book. And it's like, holy, you got to try and process. It saves you so much time, and I'm not <laughs> shy at all about asking for guidance and advice and even admitting where I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because somebody exactly telling you, giving you the answer, and that's why I'm so open with sharing all what I know, because I know it's going to save someone so much time instead of spending hours and hours and hours like scrolling through the internet trying to find the answer to the question. Just yeah. ask me. I'll tell you. Yeah. I think that's a great point that you make, and it's a great thing that you show with your page, Ambitious Adulting and all that. That And it's a good thing to reiterate to people. You know, hey, we want everyone to have success. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming to you earlier in 2019 for a call asking you those same questions. So it's just really awesome to see the progress that we've made and we're just going to keep doing it. It's exciting. Totally. Yeah, I think it's great too that, you know, all the initiatives that you're taking on. I think the more people who learn about money and talk about money, the the better it is for everybody because it's just a stigma. 
stigmatized taboo topic, which is so ridiculous because we so all true. make money, we all spend money, we all need money, and it would just make so much sense if we could talk about it openly and learn from each other instead of just trying to struggle on our own. <laughs> it's so true, and then and not think about it. I think one of the biggest things we could try to do to even decrease the wealth gap, I mean, obviously taxes would be a big thing, but talk about money then yeah people would know so much more they their options would open up like a whole new world so it's Mm -hmm. so true and so when did you start ambitious adulting yeah i started ambitious adulting right after i bought my house so when i bought my place into my first house in 2016 Mm -hmm. i started blogging and at the time my blog was called hammer home and i was actually blogging Mm -hmm. more about the renos that i was doing and i was doing all the fixing up i was wiring my electrical doing my own plumbing and doing all that kind of stuff on my own and blogging about it because i was also just asking for guidance and advice from my readers Mm -hmm. and then eventually i fixed up my house and i thought okay well now what do i write about so i was done fixing everything so i started writing a little bit about my traveling because i had been to at that point i'd already been to over 20 countries so i was like this is an interesting diary to write about all that but yeah, it just was so much work to go back through all my archives. And so I took a little break, and I really loved writing and blogging and connecting with my audience. Mm-hmm. And I looked back at my analytics and my blog to be like, okay, what do people even want to read about? And I was doing some analysis, and the blog post that got the craziest engagement and the highest engagement with all the posts that I had talked about money, about how I had saved for my down payment and how I had paid out of pocket to travel around the world. and how, you know, all that stuff. And those are the questions I was being asked. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I can write a little bit about money. And my parents were like, oh my God, don't talk about money. That is so wrong. Like, (laughs) you don't need to be telling people how much you make or how much you spend. Like, I was really kind of encouraged not to write about money publicly and openly Mm -hmm. um, for safety reasons. But I just thought, I don't really care. Like, I'm all just go for it and see what happens and Smart. it's just been growing and growing ever since that's what, exactly what you're trying to change right that stigma yeah. and that, that ignorance so. i know i'm like okay like i'm not gonna be i can see their hesitation obviously they, all parents mm-hmm. want their kids to be safe and there is a lot of fraud out there too there's a lot of people who are very creative and on finding ways to steal your money yeah. but i try to be really careful and conscious of you know, my own personal privacy. Mm-hmm. And I think that most of what I write about is pretty generic. So it's not a concern for me. No, that's good. And you've been at it since 2016. So it's just great that you took that initiative to start. And it's it's really just once you get going and you find that passion, I, people message you and, and yeah, they want more. So that's Thanks. awesome. Yeah, well, it became my job. I just started it really for fun as a little side project. And that was 2016 to 2018. I was just writing for fun. And then 2018, I quit my full-time job. I was working for the government for six years, and I I already had another side hustle, which turned into my business, Mm -hmm. um, my main business. And so, yeah, it kind of just created this platform for me that became profitable, and so I was able to quit my full-time job. Good for you. That's incredible. That's, That's what I'm working towards right now. So, And was it scary for you to do that? It actually was not scary. I get that question a lot because, so what happened is I had my first business, shout out Hamilton, since 2015, I think, Um, or the beginning of 2016, yeah, so I had already had a side hustle, and I was already making pretty much the same income as my full-time job, so I essentially doubled my income with my side hustle. Great, and what was that first side hustle? Yeah, I 
had already clients. I had clients waiting for me. But this was a three-year process. It took me three years to build my side hustle to the point that I could sustain myself. And then when I quit, I was actually losing half of my income, which is a kind of a crappy feeling. But I knew how to keep my expenses low. And I also right. grew up not doing a lot of things because we didn't have any money. So it was really easy for me to go back to that for a little bit and not have this lifestyle inflation. So I had to be really kind of aware that that was going to happen. And now that like losing half my income wasn't the end of the world because I was mm-hmm. still making good money, right. but it was just because I had gotten used to a certain income level. Yeah, so, you got to make those sacrifices too to, to get what you actually want, right? So Exactly. So mm-hmm. I kind of felt like I was taking a step backwards, but it's because I was completely pivoting and changing direction. So that was kind of the hardest part for me yeah. is just feeling like, okay, am I, why am I going backwards? Like when my income is going higher and higher <laughs> and higher and now I literally just sliced it in half. So that was kind of hard, but you know, I'm working on bringing it back and completely change directions of my career. Yeah. So with that, it takes a little bit of time, but definitely. I'll get there. Yeah. And you're, well, you're in control now and you know, just being good with money, that makes all the difference. You know that you can set aside this much, you can save this much, and you definitely have a lot of time to make that, that amount back and more. So Right, and now it's, kind of, it's the limit is endless. Before, like yeah. when you're working for someone else, they give you your salary, and of course you can ask for raises, but there's a limit to that. And in my company, there was actually four people in my office, so there wasn't a lot of room for movement. So yeah, all these pros and cons that when you quit your job, I never encourage people to just quit and follow their passion because I had a full plan a right. business plan, two businesses on the go, and I had saved up a year's salary. So that's a good starting point. I keep hearing things like, yeah, saving up a year's salary at least, or trying to have a, a couple streams that are bringing in a bit. So that that's a good point there. It's not that anyone should just jump off the diving board right away, but it takes time for any business to to actually make money, proof of concept kind of thing, and then you can take that on. So yeah, and it's super yeah. freaking hard <laughs> to build a business from scratch. And yes. so if you're not making any money, it's going to really punch you down to the ground and be very discouraging. So that's just kind of my tale for people yeah. who are like, I want to quit my job and follow my passion and travel around the world. I'm like, okay, like I hope you have a plan in place. That's it, right? Like like investing like anything. If you don't have a plan, though, it's, it's just not going to work out. And it just goes to show the, the work you've had to put in, but... Now you probably just have such a wealth of knowledge, which exactly, you're sharing through Instagram, you're putting out there, and, and that's what's going to attract more people to want to come to you for information. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Great. I usually ask the guests whether it's a decision or a choice. Could be a good one, could be a bad one, but some sort of investment that you've made either in time, money, or energy in your life that has really made a big impact on how you think and where you are today. So would you mind sharing three, uh, three big things or three big investments? Three big investments. Okay, I have a few. I've, I've been really lucky that my dad instilled this mindset of investing into all of his kids at a young age. Even That's though important. I had no idea what it was, he always just said, invest, invest, invest. Hmm. And so I'm just proud that I was kind of smart enough, I guess, to start investing when I was 18 years old. The first year that the TFSA came out was the first year I started investing. 2009. Amazing. And I thought, what's that? Well, 2009, good for you. Like, like yeah, perfect 2009. Timing. I started investing in 2009 when the TFSA came out. And my dad didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. But I thought, okay, whatever. Let's just go for it. And so I got into the discipline to 
invest as much money as I could. I think I started with like a hundred dollars a month and then it had to go, you know, got higher and higher because some of the mutual funds I was buying, which is a whole other story, you had to start with minimum five hundred dollars just oh, to buy it. Just so, to get in, right. Yeah, so I was just kind of really focusing on investing, even though I didn't know what my money was doing. At the end of the day, I got really lucky because I was investing right after the financial collapse, and so I was in the market that was recovering, and I just let my money sit for six years without touching it, but also not knowing what it was doing. So even though my returns could have been better, the fact that I started so young and followed these key principles to just keep putting money in, don't touch it, and ride the wave helped me buy my house by the time I was 24, helped me travel around the world, um, helped me pay off my student debt before I even graduated. So all of that discipline from when I started at 18 made a huge difference. That is huge. Good for Mm -hmm. you. Just goes to show that you put it there, you don't even think about it. You know, not everyone's going to get in right after a financial crisis or some sort of a big market crash, but you certainly don't regret that decision, do you? (laughs) No regrets. And also, same thing, you just... Yeah, you just leave it and forget it, and you might get lucky with your timing, and you might not, but if you leave it long enough, you will get lucky. That's a fantastic point. People want to just get rich quickly, and that's just not the reality of it unless you're willing to put in the work, so yeah, great to emphasize that. Time spent in the market is so important. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is people think, oh, I need to know everything about investing. I knew nothing about investing, and of course, I will always say I got lucky, But the reality is I got into the stock market without knowing anything, and Mm -hmm. it worked out. It might not work out for people. I definitely recommend you should do your research, but also just give it a go and start small and keep learning because if you don't start at all, you're not going to learn. You're only going to learn by doing. Yes. That's something I've certainly learned over the past year and a half in growing my account as well. The best thing you can do... I mean, formal education, a degree is is great if you know what you want, but I've wanted to make a podcast for a while. I don't know why it took me so long, but, you know, one day I was just like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do the software. I'm going to learn that. And just by doing, it's the best practice you can get. Mm -hmm. And you could go to school for podcasting and then still not do your podcast. So you still have to do it. Yeah. You know, there's people who went to school for finance and accounting and they're still not good at their money. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So knowing, yeah, knowing where to focus your attention, I guess, too, that, that, goes, a, that goes a long way. So investing young and staying disciplined, that's a great asset. What would be another one? Yeah, I think my second biggest investment was my first house. Mm-hmm. So I was actually renting out rooms and house hacking, and I put 20% down on my first house, and I actually put 20% down on my second house, which in the real estate world, there's conflicting thoughts on how much you should put down. But I think that it's important to have low monthly mortgage payments and especially Mm -hmm. for a rental property so that it cash flows better. So I'm still learning Yeah. and there's a lot to learn, but I might listen to myself in a year and be like, oh my God, what was I thinking? (laughs) But so far, my first house has been a great investment. It has appreciated over $100,000 in three years. So. I'm feeling good about that decision. You definitely should. And at least by taking the step into the second one, any punches that come your way, you'll be able to roll with them. And I'm sure you're not going to have any issues. Now with the 20% down, does that give you a shorter mortgage, but you're paying a little bit more? Or does it give you the option to extend the mortgage and and pay smaller amounts every month? Uh, It it doesn't really 
really matter how much you put down on your your amortization rate depends on the terms of your mortgage. I don't think that the percentage down makes a difference. Oh, okay. For that, for the length, but it does make a difference on the amount that you owe back. So, if you own more of your house up front, you owe less to the bank down the line. Fair. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, because as someone that has no real estate experience, that's I, I know who to go to when I have my questions. So good. And can you tell us a little bit about the house? So is it a you know duplex, family home? What what style? Yeah, it's a duplex. So in my head, hmm. I have always wanted three houses before I was thirty, and it's all fitting into my master plan. I always wanted good. the second house to be a duplex. And then I want my third house to be my final house, and then I'll rent my first house. So, yes, the second house is a duplex, Mm -hmm. and it's vacant, which is great because we saw so many properties that had tenants in them. And that just adds another layer of complication when you inherit tenants. So we really kind of were looking for three months to make sure we got a property. It's been a whole journey, which I'll write about and talk about later. I haven't been sharing publicly about it because it's been a lot of behind the scenes. Yeah, you got to do it first. that fell through and stuff. But now that it's a done deal... I'll be talking more about, yeah, my real estate methodology and philosophies and how... Yeah, we can use as much of that in Canada as possible. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling like I'm not an aggressive real estate investor. I've been learning from a lot of people and reading a lot about real estate investing and it's a whole different breed of people and I think the main difference is their perception on debt and how to leverage debt. True, that's a big I was very debt averse Mm -hmm. and I like paying things off right away. I don't like having anything hanging over my head. I wanted to put 20% down but in the real estate world everyone's like put the minimum down and do this and do that and then refinance your house and then use the debt for another (laughs) property. Like there's so many other strategies and so it's interesting coming kind of from this personal finance world into the real estate world. There's some yeah, major differences. True. Well, it's good that these investments are more for you and not necessarily as, you know, yeah, someone trying to just climb the real estate ladder really quickly. So you're getting the best of both worlds, I think. That's good. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. And then, so with your first property, just curious, did you did you happen to live in that home or did you do that well-known strategy where you rent it out and you end up living somewhere cheaper? No, I live in the home. So it's just kind of a regular owner-occupied home. Okay, good. Yeah. And nice, very happy home, right? Eh? Yeah, I love this house. I always thought, oh, I'll move out eventually, but I've just come to love it so much. So I don't know. Plans change, but yeah. I think it's good to have really strong, ambitious goals. Yes. Because um, then you're always hustling for something bigger and better. And I like that kind of work ethic. Good, yeah. I think I like that kind of life. No other way to do it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And so what about your third investment? What would that one be? Third investment, I guess it's time, all the time that I spend learning. Yeah. A lot of times, my, I mean, my my blog and my Instagram are only three years old, two years old. They're very young. And so people just know that part of my life. They yeah. don't know the part of my life where I started learning about investing and all the times I made mistakes. It's been a 10-year journey to get to two properties and yeah, you know, that's so my true. net worth and all of this. It's not just something that I just learned overnight. It's been a <laughs> super long investment of time yeah. and energy to learn everything to get me to this point. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common theme with a lot of people I've brought on as well. A big part of it is just 
having that realization that it is really important to invest in yourself, have those goals and take time out of your day to just focus on what you want to do and then that's going to help propel you to where you want to be. Exactly. And when people ask me, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? My, the first step is to consciously make the decision to start learning. Yeah. And then only from there you can take action. If you just dream about something and wish about something and then don't take action, it's not going to lead to anything. Mm-hmm. It's useless. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people have the fantasy of starting something, but then they're not willing to substitute something that they're already doing for it. And it's a real shame because there's just, like, life is long. You don't want to spend it doing the same stuff over and over. Yeah, I think there's also a really big fear of failure and yeah. a really big fear of risk. And I have the same fears as well. It's like a societal thing, thing, too, as well. Like just kind of the mindset. No one wants to fail. And unfortunately, if you want success, you've got to fail a lot. Exactly. It's really been a process for me to come to terms with failure and learn from failure and not be defeated by failure. But it's definitely a reality of my life. It's the reality of every single successful person I know. They've had failures and continue to have failures. So just being okay with failure and looking at it like a learning opportunity and then moving on has been a really big difference in my life. Great, Liz. Yeah, well, your account's been a huge inspiration to me, so keep doing it. You're doing great things for people out there. Aw, thanks. You're so welcome. Well, those are three good investments. Starting young, you know, getting into the real estate game early, and a lot of hard work and time invested in yourself. I remember hearing you interviewed on the Personal Finance Show with Bo Humphreys, and you were mentioning how you owned a ton of mutual funds at one time. So can you talk a little bit about that experience and what you learned from owning so many of these mutual funds? Because, of course, there are different investing options out there now, and I think you and I are a big advocate for index funds or exchange-traded funds for low-cost, long-term investing, but can you, yeah, share a little bit about how uh, how you were affected by those uh, those fees? Yeah, I think a lot of people have this kind of similar journey. When we start investing, a lot of us walk into a bank and ask for the first person to help us out. Exactly and what I did. Yeah. Portfolio, yeah, so many people have gone through this route. And it's so typical, and it's crazy because none of us know what the heck we're doing, and so we all fall into this kind of trap. And so, yes, I walked into the bank, they set me up with some mutual funds, and I honestly thought I was going to be rich. I was like, okay, great, I'm investing, I'm going to be diligent, and I'm going to check back in a few years, and I'm going to be a millionaire. I honestly can't even remember what my returns were because I didn't even know how to look at my return rate. Reading that statement is like hieroglyphics. And I took out my money because I needed it for the house. Yeah. But... I can tell you it probably wasn't impressive because just just remembering how much I put in and then remembering how much I took out, like it wasn't a huge difference. Right. So anyways, then I thought, okay, I got to start investing again. I started doing more research. I was older. I was a little bit wiser. And this is when I started learning about front-loading fees, the management expense ratio, yes. and how I was paying. And, you know, I'm not completely against fees. What I'm against is the lack of transparency and the kind of illusion that you are paying for something when you're really not getting a lot in return. So So if I'm going to be paying for fees, I want an advisor calling me and creating a new strategy anytime my life changes, a new life event happens, my income changes. In six years that I had invested, I had not a single person call me. So I don't understand what I was paying for. So So a lot of things just led me to a lot of more confusion and I started exploring other options. Yeah, Yeah, it's this big misconception because people seem to think that getting, you know, a financial advisor and investing in mutual funds is some sort of a financial plan. And the sad reality is that if in Canada, if you don't have a million dollars in the bank or 500K, 
you're not getting real financial planning. No one knows that. It's, you're, you're right. It's bang on. The trans, lack of transparency, real education on, on how it's going to affect them in 30 and 40 years, their investment. Yeah, and a total bias, too. I did not so really true. understand how banks worked. I had no clue that I wasn't getting the options presented to me that are available out in the world. Right. I really didn't even know that there were other options. I was so caught in my own world and in my own bubble and so I think that that's one of the biggest things that needs to change in finances and Canadian finances in general is just to present more options to people. Yeah. And I know it can be overwhelming, but there's this huge monopoly with the big five banks. And I don't want to go into these crazy rants, but mm-hmm. I, you know, times are changing. Yes, they are. And I think people need to realize that a lot of these financial technology companies are on their side. They're an alternative to the old status quo that doesn't work for people anymore. So, yeah, I guess the more we can spread that awareness, the better. Mm-hmm. We need as many Finlet soldiers as we can get in Canada. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. Well, on the topic of travel, because that's something I am a huge fan of, what are what are some of the favorite destinations you got to visit on, on that trip that you paid out of pocket? Yeah, it was actually a few trips when nice. I was younger, in my younger 20s. <laughs> I got to travel so much. It was so awesome. I have no regrets about blowing so much money on you traveling. Should ne- you should never. That's amazing. Good. Yeah, especially because, you know, I didn't put it on credit cards. I, I would have some regrets, I think, if I was on a credit card, but mm. no regrets, though, just paying for it. So my favorite countries were for sure Iceland. Costa Rica is incredible. I was born in Mexico, so I go back almost every year, which I love. And I always nice. try to go to new places in Mexico. And Singapore was cool. Okay, nice. Um, yeah, I have a lot of really good memories from all over the world. Okay, nice. And where did you go in Costa Rica? I, was, I went there last year. I've been to San Jose, and I've been to this other town. I actually went twice, and this is kind of a weird, long story, but <laughs> I was invited to go as a translator for a group that my high school, like my old high school, yeah. takes a group of students down every year. And so they invited me to go down as their translator. So I didn't even pay for those trips. Oh, that's perfect then. Mm-hmm. And so, so you kind of had to follow their um, their curriculum, or not to say curriculum. So when you went, yeah, then, like their itinerary. So yeah, it was a itinerary. week, um, and one was in this remote village, which I can't remember the name, um, but it was incredible. Just staying, it, it was an indigenous village that we stayed at, nice. and we stayed in like little homes that were built out of really basic materials. Yeah, thatched um, roofs. And the second time I went down, it was in a smaller city but yeah nice. we, I mean I got to do a lot like we still went to the volcanoes we still went to beaches we still went to the monkey uh, the monkey jungle and San Antonio <laughs> I think yeah and Manuel Antonio was good and has traveling changed your perspective about money at all you know how in some places you can stretch a dollar further or just your appreciation for money in general what has traveling taught you about money I think for sure it's taught me to live your life to the fullest so yeah. it's great that you have a lot of money. Like, I think if I didn't travel and if I was really, really frugal and all this stuff, I, my net worth would be literally triple or quadruple what it is now. Mm-hmm. But I don't really want to live a life where I'm just squirreling away my money and not enjoying it. Yeah. So I want financial security, but I also want adventure. And so you need to make some compromises and some sacrifices and really figure out what you want in your life and how that's going to look. And so everything I do 
is so I can go on more adventures. I quit my job and I work remotely so I can just travel whenever I want. And yeah, that's what traveling has taught me is to just find the balance and enjoy life. Yes, I approve of that lifestyle big time. That's great. Now, if you were to look at your weekends, you know, two years ago, three years ago, uh, and compare it to how you spend your time on the weekends now, has a lot changed? Oh, interesting. I think, um, not really. I've always been really good at good. just <laughs> having fun on weekends. Like, I have, I don't let work come before my social life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, weekends have always been for me and for relaxing and for hanging out with my family and the people I love and for going on hikes. And that has always been the case. Good. Yeah, that's very important. Uh, you definitely need to find the balance in, in everything. And yeah. yeah. And also, I get to go on a lot of adventures. And the reality is a lot of people in my life who I love mm-hmm. don't have a digital nomad life. So my schedule still revolves around them, and they get weekends off. And so I get my weekends off. And even when I'm working, I usually try to work 9 to 5 or 8 to 4 or mm-hmm. so that I can hang out with the people that I love when they're home from work. Makes sense. And then you still have that control to to modify everything else. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility in my schedule. Good. For any first-time investors, what would you recommend or how would you recommend that they go about investing? I think the first thing is understand what kind of investing you want to do and understand your time horizon and your goals. If you're comfortable taking on risk and you're not scared of debt, consider Mm -hmm. stocks. And if you're scared of losing money and you need your money in four or five years, maybe less. Think of something a little bit more safe, maybe like an index fund. Yeah, that was like the perfect answer, short and sweet. So being someone that has a diversified portfolio, what is one good and one bad thing about kind of each investment? Or not say one good or bad, but you know, one pro and one con about about each that you've learned or gone through. Yeah, I'm still learning. I think part of the problem (laughs) with being too diversified is that you can cut into your gains and your returns. Yeah, And it's really interesting for me to watch because my partner is a really kind of aggressive, risk-taking investor, and he'll make way higher returns than some of my funds because I'm a little bit more conservative. Mm-hmm. Then I get a little jealous, but then <laughs> I'm too scared to take on that risk with some of the companies that he invests in are so much more volatile. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the cons of being too conservative and too diversified. But there's a lot of schools of thoughts on that too, on you know putting your eggs, all your eggs in one basket versus spreading your risk across different asset classes. So that's a con. And then a pro would be kind of the same thing, is that I, I have lower risk than someone who takes on one volatile stock that has the potential to make a higher return. Right, so you can so, sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm still even learning myself what I like and what I feel comfortable with. But once again, I have cleared my... I had to liquidate all my investments to buy the second property. So I'm starting from scratch again which I'm fine with because now my money is tied up in property. Fair. Well, they're, they're good investments as well because you've got the physical property and you can hold on to them, you live in them, and they're just cash flow cows pretty much, which is great. Yeah, a lot of times people say don't invest if you're going to be buying anything in under you know four years or three years. I don't take that advice. I don't want my money sitting around doing nothing. So I did invest and I lost money and I also gained money But in three years. So in 2016, when I bought my first house, I took out every single dollar I had. I only had $200 left in my bank account. And in three years, I built it all back up through investing and bought my second property. So it goes to show. I kind of disagree with that. I I can see the risk 100%, but then I just went buy the property. 
but yeah. I was kind of watching it and being diligent. And then I left some money that was really, really tanking. I left that. Hopefully, it'll recover. Yeah, I'm holding a few of those bags as well. I do recall after having success on my first try, I bought a few other companies that were having a good day. And since that point, they're literally down 80%, but I only put in, say, $500. So I've said goodbye to that 1000 and hopefully, you know, either of the two of them recoup, whether it's in two years or five years. I've ultimately forgot about it, but that is also the risk you take, especially when you don't know what you're doing. But then oh, yeah. I think with experience, too, you do know when to cut your losses with some stocks or riskier investments, but ultimately, you only lose when you sell, right? So hopefully they'll recoup and it'll be free money for me. My, my risk tolerance has certainly changed a lot. On that note, has your mindset about money changed a lot? Like, do you find you are more risk tolerant just because you know that, like, for example, if you did have to go back down to 200 and put your back against the wall, you would be able to, you know, get back up to where you'd want to be? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty close to being down there. <laughs> I took out so much money, which I'm fine with because, again, it's invested somewhere else. Yeah. And my attitude towards money has changed because I used to be really scared of money. I used to have anxiety attacks that would last a few days because I was so scared of not having enough money. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a disservice to myself because it's almost like I wasn't smart enough to make money. And that, that's how I felt. So I'm like, I'll never be able to make this money back. Yeah. Which is so ridiculous to think because I was so young. Like that, I'm at my earning potential, yeah. and I can't believe I was just so scared and I was limiting myself to think that I would never be able to recover, or I would never be able to save enough, or I was never going to be able to buy a house. Like I had all these negative thoughts in my head, so and that lasted until I was like 24 when I started to realize, like, okay, I'm not that bad off, mm-hmm. and I've been really disciplined, and I think I'm doing okay, and then really when I was blogging about it and realizing, okay, I'm actually like way better off than I thought. And most I think people. I can relax a little bit and just cool it and yeah. not be scared about losing all my money and being homeless tomorrow. And I would literally have the darkest, darkest thoughts about losing everything. So I've, I'm in a much healthier place right now because I'm so much more comfortable talking about money and asking questions. Good. Yeah, I I can relate to that a little bit too. I remember when I moved back to Canada from traveling, I I kind of fell into a depression because I was realizing I was running out of money and I was either going to be on the other side of the world starting from scratch, having to figure out how to do all this. But I was, you know, I was, I think I was 24. And for me, it was just like, you know, I just got into this, this negative mindset, the anxiety came up and it was easier for me to just fly home and trade my time for money and start working, you know, two labor jobs that I didn't like. And Mm -hmm. I I guess it was in the last year that I was like, geez, you know, not to say that I regret coming, coming back because I found out about the mutual funds and now look where I am. And I I couldn't be more proud of that. But yeah, it's like, you got to give yourself more credit. Like, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Don't be so hard on yourself. And like, let the nice voice in your head speak a little bit louder than the mean one. Absolutely. I have a lot of conflicting thoughts on that as well because sometimes I think that having really bad anxiety is one of my biggest motivators because I hate feeling like that. I hate being so low and so anxious and so stressed and it literally affects my day-to-day life. So I don't like feeling like that. So I work really, really hard to avoid getting to that state. Wow, that's pretty profound, Liz. I'd never thought of it like that. 
I'm really glad that you bring that up because I guess that makes sense. It's it's about finding the balance uh, and moderation, but channeling that anxiety to, to motivate you as well. I think I, ha- <laughs> I have to think about it that way or it gets really depressing. Yeah, that's, well, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not to laugh, but I just, that that's similar to how I viewed it in a way or, and how I thought I viewed it in the past. So it's really nice. To, it's like, it's a bit like closure to hear someone else having gone through that and felt that like control over their body in a way i wonder how many people Mm -hmm. also feel that and just aren't able to share it yeah i think ultimately everything is about your perspective so Mm. i could be focusing on the negative and i don't even want to be too like wishy-washy and woo-woo but it is a really important lesson is you are dealt with a set of cards and you get to choose how you look at them yeah I've, I've used that word perspective way, way too much this past year. I don't think you can use it too much, but if there's one word I've noticed that I say all the time now, I reference perspective. It's an important lesson. It's really important. And it is, yeah. I'm grateful for people who have shown me that. And, you know, and I admire so many people around me, and I think, wow, how are they doing this? And, wow, like, look at the circumstances. They're so much worse off, and they're, they're killing it, or they're doing it. And that's just a lesson that they taught me. They're like, well, you got to look at it this way or things like that. I'm like, okay, I think I can learn this lesson and apply it to myself. And that's what I have to consciously, every single day I wake up and most days I wake up and I'm feeling a little grimy and like (laughs) bitter about something. And I have to consciously stop that and say, stop it. Be grateful, be happy. And yeah, just like turn it around. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful, Liz. Cause I, I, I can, definitely notice that I'm doing that too and it's it's a conscious choice especially once you like, once you realize what you want and you want to go after it you have the distraction of friends or a social life and all that but that, that's a good point because if you feed into those distractions it's going to be that much harder to get rid of that anxiety or move forward yeah just consciously I think one of the main things that makes a huge difference is my partner and I before bed do gratitudes every night so wow. that I set my mind go to sleep with some good intentions, and then we wake up and do gratitude as well. So just being grateful is a really good way to keep your anxiety levels low and keep going after your goals. That's amazing. I think more people should adopt that. Yeah, because to be grateful, you've got to practice it, right? Mm-hmm. To, so true. Well, that's amazing to hear. So what's, well, I guess I was going to say, what's next for you, Liz? But you've just bought a second real estate investment, so that's, <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah, so the next thing is really becoming, you know, landlord. I bought the I bought the property with my partner, and we are going to be landlords. So I'm just doing a lot of research to make sure we have good tenants. I'm so scared of having nightmare tenants, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not going to feed into that fear because I'm going to do a lot of research and be diligent and do a lot of good screenings and ask for advice. Yeah, and you know, just do my best and I can be proud of that effort and hopefully it pays off by giving us rewarding tenants. Definitely. It helps to prepare and then obviously take your time. Well, not take your time. You want to get people in there soon, but yeah, make sure you make the the right judgment with the right people. And so you said your partner, is he, does he invest in real estate or is he more just in in stocks? He actually is in both. So it's been amazing finding someone. We've been together for a while now, but yeah, it's been amazing finding someone who is also conscious about money. He wasn't frugal like me, and he didn't really track his money. He was just kind of good at money because he has a business degree. Fair. He gets um, it, yeah. Which is actually really 
really complementary to my way of thinking because mine's more of like a behavioral psychology kind of background yeah like mine's a little bit more about frugal living and just living minimally and he has a lot of strategies of how to leverage your money so it's it's Mm. been a good compliment but um yeah he has been investing in real estate through private deals in the past so he this is his first property but he has real estate experience perfect well it's great that you guys will be a team going into this so best of luck with Mm -hmm. that yeah it's really really fun great um well that's amazing it's been a pleasure chatting with you liz so if there's any last piece of advice that you can recommend to uh to the listeners out there what would it be last piece of advice is to ask questions when you see someone doing something you want to do yeah don't be shy don't be shy you don't get anything by not asking that's so true got to embrace that i used to be very shy and i'm glad that i've changed that and by consciously making that effort every day and now yeah, it's pretty exactly. much now it's pretty much a muscle memory. Hey. Exactly. It's a, it's a lot of practice. A lot of the skills that people want, you have to work for them and practice them. Yeah, that's so true. I think people will wake up to it a little bit more, but it, it helps having people like like you to uh, to motivate them and, and show them the way. Aw, thanks. <laughs> You're so welcome. Liz. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Liz. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yep, I'm super active on Instagram at Ambitious Adulting and also check out my website www.ambitiousadulting.com great i hope many listeners will take advantage of these resources follow along and, and learn a little bit more every day awesome i hope so too there's a lot of gold, golden nuggets on my blog yes go find them people so you can find this podcast on spotify google podcast breaker radio public and now it's on apple Podcasts. And of course, you can find it at anchor.fm slash highly invested. This is your host, Jordan Highly signing off. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this episode, please like. I don't even know if you can like podcasts anymore, but to share, subscribe, leave a review. That would really help me get found organically. And just want to say thanks and hope you'll tune into the next episode. Stay highly invested in yourselves. Till next time.